minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscan. I'm hosting today's program. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast for weeks in the future by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, whether we have an exciting program or not, I don't know. If it rings your bells, well and good. If it doesn't, it's a big world. Tune in somewhere else. Do something else. Get out. The winter sunshine is almost upon us. That's right. Or the spring sunshine. I can smell it. I'm sure you can smell it. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, simple, very simple. We try to keep things simple because things are simple. Everybody says to me, oh, everything is complex. Life is so complex. We can't solve anything. It's so complex. We need all these experts. We need this. We need that. We need it. It's not. It's very simple. Anarchos, without rulers. Simple. What are the majority of the world's problems due to? Very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth. The concentration of power in fewer and fewer hands sees the lives of millions, if not billions of people, being directed by a small group. For their benefit, obviously. Not for the benefit of everybody else, but for their benefit. So inequalities of power are central to the human condition. Inequalities of wealth. It's not just a matter of creating wealth. It's a matter of ensuring that everybody gets access to health. So what is anarchy? Anarchos without rulers. It's the struggle, both intellectually, physically, emotionally, politically, culturally, create a society with there's equality as far as power is concerned and wealth is concerned. It's about creating a society where we don't need leaders or rulers to make decisions for us. Obviously, there's a difference between a leader and a ruler. A ruler of somebody who has power, a leader is somebody who may lead through strength of personality or in terms of intellect or in terms of experience. That's what the elder syndrome is all about, isn't it? The good old days before writing. It was the elders who had the knowledge because they'd lived through 50, 60, 70 seasons. All right, so the anarchist struggle is to improve people's lives and you improve people's life by devolving power, sharing wealth. Very simple. It's about creating a society without rulers. It's about 
working out the mechanisms which are required to do that. So what's tickled my fancy today? Well, I'll talk about the regulars in a minute. But I'm really a little bit concerned. Not much, just a bit, a bit, a bit. Well, because I can see that the ugly Australian is becoming a permanent feature of everyday life. Now, what's the ugly Australian? Uh, The ugly Australian is the type of person who mixes up the difference between what are called human values, universal human values, and Australian values. One of the big banks, I think it's Westpac, if I remember correctly, has got this advertisement kind of intimating that helping people in a flood is an Australian value. Australian values. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we have ministers talking about introducing values tests into the migration process. You begin to wonder, why is the ugly Australian coming back? Why is the ugly Australian such a permanent, constant feature in the history of this country? Think about it. Why? Well, to a significant degree, it's occurred because of the change in the dynamic, the change in the political discussion, the cultural discussion the development of a them and us mentality. There's them, there's us. They're bad, we're good. And we see this being fanned along by media and governments at all levels who somehow think that if they pander to the ugly Australian, they will remain in power for eternity. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. So when a 19-year-old woman gets killed, murdered, in an apartment block, the discussion isn't about the fact that this woman has lost her life. that her family and friends are grieving, all of a sudden, within a few hours, it's all about gangs, African gangs. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. But it's the same mentality that allows us as a people, and you and I are responsible because we actually haven't been able to shift the opinions of our fellow Australians who will be voting across the country in the next few days, that somehow the people who seek asylum 
who have broken no international laws, that somehow they are some type of unworthy, you know, example of a human being. That we can push and prod them, isolate their children for year upon year, wash our hands of any responsibility, pay foreign governments to do our dirty work for us. Quite extraordinary. Everywhere we see the dog whistling, you know when you whistle your dog? They're whistling their dogs. They're whistling their dogs in the community. Those who somehow, who think that in a multicultural society the other is the enemy. And piling on the votes by dog whistling there are the ugly Australian. It's exactly the opposite, isn't it? We get a Prime Minister who gets up and craps on about a candidate in Braddon, an independent candidate, because he had a assault conviction 20 years ago. As if it's some huge thing that excludes somebody from participating in the political process or in life in this country. Well, at the same time, that same Prime Minister has been involved in questionable, if not legal, investment decisions which have impacts on other people. I mean, which is the greater crime? Which is the greater crime? And we have this corporate-owned media which laps it up and a world wide web where you can actually, under the cloak of being somebody else, under the cloak of anonymity, you can spew forth the most vile garbage. Think about it. The ugly Australian. He's back. She's back. They're back. So. What do you do about it? What do we do about it? Not you, we, me, you, them, us. Because that type of mentality creates rifts in society. That type of mentality creates more pain and suffering. That type of mentality creates more crime, more dislocation, more family violence because we don't just live isolated lives we are part of a wider community and that wider community turns on its minorities you create the circumstances for chaos just extraordinary just extraordinary situation. It's not extraordinary that we have ugly Australians. It's not extraordinary that people are concerned about the other. What is extraordinary is 
senior politicians from the Prime Minister down in this country at state level, federal level and local level are promoting division and hatred to promote their political fortunes. That's the extraordinary thing about it, that they're creating the milieu which allows the ugly Australian to grow, prosper, multiply. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. So, what can you do about it? It's all very well pontificating from a radio you know, station. It's another thing doing something about it. You know, it's, talk's cheap. I keep saying talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Liking on the net is cheap. Cheap crap. We've forgotten that change comes from action and action in the public domain. Whether it's verbal, physical, it's about action. Think about it. I'll give you an example, a small little example about what we are trying to do. Very small example, but has profound ramifications. Now, I live in Victoria. I know I can say condolences. You can send me condolences if you wish. But there is a state election on the 24th of November. It happens every four years on the 24th of November, all right? It's one of the few states where there is a fixed date for the election. And as the election draws nearer, the so-called issues of the moment are beginning to crystallise. And obviously the major political parties want to promote issues which will benefit their bottom line, their electoral fortunes, all right? So what are the two huge issues that have been created in the state of Victoria? Okay. One, crime and violence. Crime and violence. Crime and violence. The big issue, as far as the opposition is concerned, and the government, because they've been pushed in that direction, Crime and violence. Does the issue reflect the reality on the ground? No, it doesn't reflect the reality on the ground. Obviously, crime and violence has a direct impact on some people. It is an issue. It's not the major issue, but it will be the major issue on the 24th of November. Well, you've got a media which is fixated on promoting ideas which have no basis in reality in order to bolster the fortunes of conservative forces in the state of Victoria, reactionary forces. And then when you look at the government, what's the big issue? Infrastructure, transport, billions of dollars. Billions of dollars into building more roads and more tunnels. All right? A bit more public transport. 
billions. Of, I'm not saying there isn't a public. I'm not saying there isn't a transport issue, but are these the central issues? To me, and maybe I'm stupid, and obviously I am stupid. If I wasn't stupid, I wouldn't be here talking to you. That's what people say to me. The main issue is housing. Housing is is at the centre, is the crux of creating a stable, secure, egalitarian community. If individuals and families and groups have access to safe, secure housing, well, then you are in a position to tackle many of the issues which impinge on the criminal sector, section, section, sector. We got that out finally. Think about it. That's the issue is housing. You don't have secure, safe public housing. You have people treading water. People spending all their time trying to get enough money to put a roof over their heads, which is the situation 70 to 80% of Australians currently find themselves in. Simple thing. Because, see, housing has been transformed into a commodity, into a speculator's paradise. And it doesn't matter if your house, you can sell your house for a million dollars, your three-bedroom house and, you know, some inner suburb for a a million or one and a half million. You're still going to have to buy somewhere else. Hmm? That's if you're in that fortunate situation. And then if you're in the unfortunate situation of being young and not being paid adequately, you know, in the gig economy, the so-called gig economy, the 19th century economy, where you're responsible for everything, for a minimum wage, then you find that housing becomes a critical issue in your life. It dominates your everyday existence. Now, in a state that is maybe earmarked 30, 40, 45, $50 billion for infrastructure in the next few years... $10 billion to build a railroad to the airport? $10 billion. Why isn't housing an issue? As each state election draws nearer, it never becomes never an issue. Because they don't want it to be an issue. Because both major political parties have gone on the privatisation bandwagon as far as public housing is concerned. Couching in lovely terms like community and social housing, they've gone onto that bandwagon. So we've been running a campaign since December 2016 where every month we've had a rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to raise the issue of public housing in the collective mind, in the community's mind. And we've been spectacularly unsuccessful. You've got another rally on Wednesday the 25th of July at midday. But it seems that it's very difficult to gain traction on this issue of housing. Now I'm going to tell you something which is so simple, so devastatingly simple, that it has so many positive consequences, it overrides any of this 
garbage debate about law and order and uh, infrastructure, because that's what it is. It's a debate which is designed to get you to vote for a particular group on one issue. I'll give an example. We have a tax, which I assume is they have it all over Australia. It's called stamp duty. You like that? Stamp duty. If you buy a house, you pay a fee to the state government. Not to the federal government, to the state government. It's called stamp duty. In Victoria, which I'm familiar with, they raised over $6 billion from people buying and selling houses last year in stamp duty. Okay? $6 billion. All right? $6 billion. Very simple. $6 billion. Huge amount. Now, this is money which is raised, taxation, on housing. Nothing else, just housing. Now, if... If, if you quarantine that $6 billion for public housing, you could house 100,000 Victorians within 12 months. You don't even have to... That's the end of the waiting list. Bang. You don't even have to build... You can spot purchase across the state. Spot purchase properties. Think about it. It could be done tomorrow. In 10 years, that's a decade, if you use use stamp duty revenue for public housing, you could house 1 million Victorians, 15% of the population in public housing, for one year. Sorry, you know, for eternity. 15%. That's within a decade. Now, these are simple concepts. They're breathtakingly simple. As I said at the, the program, nothing is complex. Most things are simple. What is complex is the fact there are so many people with vested interests who don't want to see the end of the housing crisis, who don't want to see the homeless housed, who don't want to see people who would never be able to afford to raise a deposit for a house in the private rental market to be in public housing. So it's an issue that's a complex. The answer is breathtakingly simple. Use the money raised from stamp duty, $6 billion per year in Victoria, for public housing. House 100,000 new extra Victorians in public housing every year, house a million within a decade, two million within two decades. So why is public housing everybody's business? Obviously, it is the crux to creating a stable society. And if you want to reduce crime, you want to reduce family violence, you want to reduce alienation, well, you need to ensure that people have access to secure public housing. Simple. And how does it, why is it everybody else's business? You have a strong housing sector, public housing sector. You've got competition between the public and private sector. Rents will decrease the lower end of the market. Housing prices will decrease. I mean, it's a disaster for investors, but who gives a shit? Only 8% of Australians invest in property. 
The other 92% need a roof over their heads. And what's the point of working all your life to pay off a mortgage and, you know, pay a bank 10 times what you borrowed in the first place? Think about it. Simple. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And if people say to you, oh, Joe, how could you say that? What's going to happen to the state? There'll be a $6 billion shortfall. Well, we build a few less bloody roads or build them a little bit slower. Simple. What's more important, cars or people? Let's move on. Let's move on. Now, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I am so excited to be living in the land of the brave and the three. Oh, sorry, that's the United States. My apologies. The land of milk and honey. That's, oh, no, that's Israel. I'll get it right. I don't know. I live, live in this land. So excited to have been born here. I'm just so excited. I'm just such, so wonderful to live in the best country in the universe. The galaxy? Well, planet Earth? Well, maybe. The Pacific? Yeah, it's just so exciting. You know, we just, we passed, there was, there was, Fair Work Commission made a determination about 12 months ago to abolish or decrease penalty rates initially and eventually abolish penalty rates for the country's lowest paid workers. You like that? I thought it was a great idea. You know, keep all these unprofitable businesses profitable by underpaying people legally. Not that many small businesses, you know, you know, pay their staff their full entitlement ones, but that's another story. So there's been a little parliamentary investigation, and guess who's been hit the hardest? The most vulnerable. Yep, you guessed it, women workers, regional workers, workers on low income, workers who rely on an overtime payment in order to make ends meet. So it doesn't matter how much the, the you know the basic wage increase, I think it was 24 bucks a week, 80 cents an hour, 70 cents an hour, it doesn't really make any difference because of the money people have lost in overtime payments. So I love Australia. I love being part of this great brown land because we're quite happy to smash the most vulnerable in the face and say you take a pay cut but when it comes to CEO salaries chief executive officer salaries there has never been a better time to be a CEO in Australia hit a domino 37 million bucks whoever whoever thought that you know you could uh, make so much money for one person making pizzas, but obviously I'm in the wrong business. So, wonderful, isn't it? But see, this is violence. This is institutionalised violence. Where you use legislation to pauperise one section of the community and allow another section of the community to get off scot three, To use all the loopholes which have been created in the taxation system, so they pay, you know, voluntary taxation. Well, those people at the lower end who spend 30 40 50% of their money paying a mortgage or trying to pay rent, not being able to get any public housing, you know, they're the ones you're kicking around. Because you know why you're kicking around? Because they don't have any organised power. 
There are 850,000 workers who had their overtime payments reduced. There were 20,000 businesses that were going to be affected if the Labor Party was elected into federal government and it changed the taxation laws. It took four days, three days, my apologies, three days for Bill Shorten to back down on his statement because of the hue and cry which occurred in the media and the World Wide Web regarding, you know, regarding the fact that these 20,000 businesses may have been affected. But when it came to the 820,000 people that are affected by the reduction of overtime payments, hardly a mention. It was all about how wonderful it was for the employers, how wonderful it was, how many new people they're going to employ, how brilliant it all was. It was all hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Extraordinary, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. You live in this, we live in this parallel universe in Australia. It is a parallel universe, which is based on access to credit. This parallel universe, well, while you can actually get that credit, get, meet those repayments, well, you stumble on. But when things happen, boy, do they collapse in a hurry. Do they collapse in a hurry? I'll give you another example. I mean, this is what I love. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live, or is streaming live, on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Don't forget about the uh, public housing rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, midday, Wednesday the 25th of July, there for an hour to an hour and a half. Roll up. Don't forget the big camp out on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, 10th, 24th of November this year. Don't forget about that. If you want further information... Go to Public Housing Everybody's Business Facebook page or Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute web, uh, website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the... If you're really, really annoyed and you really want to do something, join Public Interest before Corporate Interests. They're hoping to be... And I'm the convener, you know, convener secretary of Public Interest and foundation member of Public Interest before Corporate Interests. We're hoping to not only be involved in action but also be involved as a political force and the action for this year is the 10-day rally in the support of public housing on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House well at the same time we are trying to register as a federal political party so join download the application form pipsi p-i-b-c-i dot net think about it p-i-b-c-i dot net download join today haven't got a computer Leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Leave a message, contact address, we'll send you out some application forms. Ain't got a phone? You can always write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And while I'm talking about Post Office Boxes, almost finished the mass mail out to the 800 public interest before corporate interest members. We're 137 $1 stamps short. So if you can help us out, if you see me around, hand me some cash and I'll use it to uh, 
pay for the stamps or send stamps to $1 stamps to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. All right. I mean... A little bit interested in the five federal elections which will be held this Saturday. And I'm, I'm interested for one particular reason because I think it highlights what type of society we've become. Because I've, I've listened to a number of people in the electorates being interviewed. Where it's the. But, you know, the, the thing seems to be, you know, the common themes to be what will they do for us? Hmm? What will they do for us? What will they do for us? Us. Not what will they do for the community, not what will they do for the nation, but what will they do for us. And when you reduce parliamentary politics to the act of casting about every three years, which is based on the idea of what will they do for us, you begin to realise how bastardised the process has become. It's not just about us. It's about me. It's about all of us. It's about the community. It's about the nation. And when you have senior politicians sprouting hatred as part of their election spiel, dividing the community, creating dissension, creating the the circumstances where violence becomes an acceptable medium, you begin to wonder what's actually happening to the political process in this country. What will they do for us? Extraordinary. And I think a lot of this has come from this, yes, I'm going to use the words, from the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution that has swept across Australia and most of the world over the last 40 years. This concept that there's public the public as an entity no longer exists in day-to-day conversation. One of the things we learned in the early phases of uh, when we launched public interest before corporates was how many people have forgotten what the public is, all of us. And we've seen this denigration by political leaders and business leaders in the media of the public space, like the denigration of public housing tenants the denigration of public education, the denigration of public health. As if it's some second-rate system because people have access to it, because it's free, because they have access to it. This concept that if you pay for something, you'll receive more in return. Now, this pay-as-you-go concept. You'll receive more. Somehow you'll be uplifted. Your The service you'll receive will be much, much better. And to a significant degree, this has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because what governments do is they squeeze the public sector. They squeeze public education. And in Australia, that blood which is extracted from the public education, the public health sector, is transfused into the private education and private health sector. In private education, by 
government grants to privately owned schools, which are pushing their own particular agenda, religious-based agenda in the majority of cases, or as far as the health, private health is concerned, by a transfusion of funds into a private health insurance scheme, which in the majority of cases is basically ripping people off. Since the privatisation of Medibank Private by our beloved ex-Prime Minister, Mr Tony Abbott, we've seen the disintegration of the private health insurance sector, which is now is lapping up over $6 billion per year of taxpayers' money. Just extraordinary. So you've got this ongoing denigration of everything that is public. Even public space has disappeared, shrinking, disappearing. Public housing, a thing of the past. And if either the Victorian Labor Party or the Victorian Liberal National Party win the next election in their own right, public housing will be finished forever in the state of Victoria. We've had the port here sold by Labor government in Victoria. Ports across the country sold by governments of different political hues. It's just extraordinary. Airports sold by the Howard government. But there is this squeeze, squeeze on the public sector, squeeze on the services provided, longer waiting times, more frustration, more violence, and the list goes on and on. And then we have the greatest fraud of all. When you have private companies delivering government initiatives, like unemployment sector delivers services by private companies subsidised almost 200% by the Australian taxpayer who then churn people through useless courses never finding them any jobs at the end of the day. Just extraordinary. We have Social Security handed over to the private sector Hand it over to the private sector. 40 cents, of it, 40 cents in every dollar goes in profit and administration costs. 60 cents of every dollar which is handed over goes directly to the person involved. So you've got the squeezing, squeezing of the public sector everywhere. Not just financially, but intellectually, to make people think that if it's public, it's second rate, it's no good, it's irrelevant, it's, the, it's for the dregs of society. I'll give you an example. National Disability Insurance Scheme. I was involved, I've been involved in struggle for over 40 years to ensure the National Disability Insurance Scheme has become a reality. Now, obviously, there are issues regarding its rolling out. I'll give you an example. Now, the Commonwealth Government, under the leadership of his, you know, the most honourable, you know, Cayman Island, Malcolm Turnbull, Prime Minister, rolled out that they were going to put in 100 people to check for fraud in the NDIS. 
100 people dedicated to checking for fraud. Fine. But why is there a cap on the number of people who can process the 454,000 applications to join the National Disability Insurance Scheme? Why is there that cap? So that the process becomes a shambles because there aren't enough staff to process the material. Extraordinary, when you think about it. Just extraordinary. They can pluck out 100 100 people to, you know, look for fraud in an $8 billion budget this year and hopefully $22 billion two two to three years when it's fully functional. But they can't find the staff to process applications in a timely manner as the scheme is rolled out across the nation for the 454,000 people that have applied to be part of this scheme. Quite extraordinary. This is the mentality. If it's public, you starve it of funds. If it's public, you run it down. And once you've run it down to a particular level, you then privatise it. You give it away to the private sector, who then make a profit not by providing a wonderful service, but by through government grants. Just extraordinary. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Names Joseph Toscanum hosting today's program. Well, it looks like the health records, the my health issue, the shit has hit the fan. Now, look, I've been a doctor for 43 years. I still see patients on a regular basis, so I'm very familiar with the process, very familiar. And the government has basically said to Australians, they said, you've got three months. If you don't opt out of the scheme, you're in. And if you're in the scheme, any records that are there before you opt out at a future day, if you decide to opt out, will be there for all eternity, okay? Now, I'd just like to go through this step by step because I think it's very important because what was a potentially, potentially exceptionally useful scheme for people with chronic disability and and multiple morbidities has been has been almost destroyed through government legislation. I'll give you an example. Now, 40, 40% of Australians have multiple disabilities, multiple medical issues, and it makes sense in a fragmented system, fragmented private and public health system, that there is some type of information available to health professionals to assist you in maintaining your health. I mean, it's a fundamental thing, fundamental. Now, in the good old days, in inverted commas, records were handwritten, paper records. You got a letter, you filed it away. 
in the majority of cases today, it's computer records in, in the health field, okay? Computer records. So they're handwritten. Now, the information that you divulge to your medical practitioner has always, in this country, been private. And there's a very good reason for that. And the reason for that is that sometimes you may have issues that you do not wish to be on the public record. You may have issues that you do not wish to be uh, commonly known. So if somebody wants access, if the government wanted access to your health records... They do have access through the Medicare system in terms of the the uh, the type of service you had, but not actually the all the ins and outs. If a court wanted my access to my medical records that I had created about you over the years, and you refused me permission to hand them over. Well, then I am legally, morally and ethically obliged to maintain that privacy. And if I break that privacy, then I am guilty of an offence and can be prosecuted. Very simple. If the courts want access to my medical records, they have to issue, a warrant has to be issued in the courts for them to have access to copies of the records I've kept about you. And some of those warrants can be limited to specific periods or a specific uh, issue, okay? There is that guarantee of privacy. You can go into your doctor and you can say, look, I've got a drug problem. I've got a heroin problem. And you can initiate treatment. And it's a private affair between you and the patient unless you refer them on, which you may in certain cases. It's It's not the business of anybody else. Now, under Section 70 of the Health Records Act, which is the current Health Records Act, the police, that's right, the police, state police, federal police, the courts and the tax office have access to every one of your private medical records on the system without the need for a warrant to be issued by the courts to allow them to access those records. Now, obviously, in the majority of cases, it's not an issue. You may have complex health needs and you would like your health records to be on the My Health, and I can understand that. Because if you've got complex health needs, it it, it can be the difference between life and death. But instead of allowing the system to grow organically, over 5 million people have already signed on to the My Health Record system, over 5 million people. We now have a system that's been put in place which allows third parties to legally access your records. That's right, third parties which have, who may have nothing to do with the provision of health care. We may even see the private health insurance industry sooner or later be giving access to the My Health records. We may see 
records being sold off. So it is a very important decision you'll be making over the next uh, three months or ten weeks that are left. That's if you can get through on the number they provide. I mean, I've had people waiting an hour and a half. An hour, 43 minutes is the longest. 43 minutes has been the shortest to actually access my health and opt out. Because it's not the fact that medical practitioners and people who are involved in your health care will have access to your health records. It's the fact that all these other third parties will legally have access to your records and you won't even know about it. At least when a warrant is issued for your records to be produced in court for the doctor or the clinic to provide a copy of your records to the court, well, then you know what's happening. So it's an extraordinary imposition of people, and I think people are just beginning to realise the enormity of what is being proposed. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is... uh, You can access the program on a podcast, 3cr.org.au. Now, hope. Hope. You know, at the, the very essence of any political or social or community campaign is the word hope. And hope is the love child, desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. And anybody who listens to the, this program listens because they have hope that change is not only possible, but it will occur in their lifetime. That's what political struggle and social struggle and community struggle is all about. It's about giving form to hope. Giving form to hope. To giving arms and legs and a brain and a mouth and an ears and a nose and a throat and a liver and a kidney and a heart, or two kidneys hopefully. That's what hope is about. Now if I didn't have hope that change was possible, I wouldn't be wasting my time here. Why would I bother wasting my time? I mean, I've been around long enough to know that its tenacity pays off, that action pays off, but it does take tenacity. And in an era when everything needs to be done yesterday and everybody expects an instant response without even thinking about that response... What we are creating is a community where hope is becoming lost. And when hope is lost, you create the environment which leads both to self-destructive behaviour and destructive behaviour. Remember what we are seeing in our society, a supposedly economically rich society, where rates of depression have never been higher, where interpersonal family violence has reached 
crippling proportions. Maybe what we are seeing is what happens when you put mice under a dome and refuse them access to the basic necessities of life. Because when when you hear that over 12% of Australians are antidepressants, you begin to wonder. You really begin to wonder. So my message is keep that hope alive in your heart and try to make that a reality. Because without hope, you have nothing. You have nothing. Now, you've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, the dinners at La Pochetta at 392 Raftown Street in Carlton have gone gangbusters. We had 14 people last week. I know some people have said, oh, the venue. Well, that's why we chose the venue. It's not trendy. We've now got a private room. We can fit 200 people to the weekly Wednesday night dinners in this private room. We're now three or 200. So if you're bored, you list us, you want to get a bit of hope rubbed onto you as you come through the door and leave with a smile on your face and empty pockets, well, then join us at uh, La Porqueta, 392 Raftown Street, Carlton North. That's right. It's daggy. It's not trendy. The food's not brilliant, but the company is number one. And all you do is pay for your own food and drinks. If you don't want to drink or you don't want to drink anything or eat anything, you're still welcome. Come along and bum off other people's plates. You've been to the Anarchist World this week. That's 392 Raftown Street, Cult North. 6 p.m. start, usually out by 9 p.m. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting this program. You can access the program via podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. 3cr.org.au. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Don't forget the public housing, everybody's business struggle. Join us in that struggle. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. And if you don't hear this program on your local community radio station, knock on the station manager's door. Say, why don't you broadcast the Anarchist World this week? You can broadcast it via the Community Radio Network. I'll be talking to you. Next week on the Anarchist World, this week via Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.